realize um, certainly our trip brought home to, to me how powerful uh, the time that we've all spent together over the last year and a half, two years, you know, uh, learning together and how powerful that experience has been. You know, it, it, it's nothing that, you, you know, our, our personhood can't possibly evaluate that or get that, you know, but then you realize from a whole different place that um, <laughs> uh, the words that kept coming to me was, oh my God, I know everyone here perfectly. I know them. Uh, meaning, of course, you know, I, I know, we know the truth of one another. You know, we, we, uh, we celebrate, uh, you know, that the, the holiness that is being uh, fostered, uh, built, uh, supported, uh, recognized now, and actually, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, it's coming to me that um, having to declare ourselves is just something that happens, that I find I find my myself in the the um, place where I have to declare the truth instead of you know it's always fighting the ego and saying not that not that not that not that. There's suddenly this like I have to speak the truth. It's not humble. <laughs> not to speak the truth. It's deception. It's a lie. And so, you know, something is flipping in which, you know, when I when I lie, which is, you know, when I when I believe somehow that um, well, today's topic is going to be about harmlessness. And in some way or other, I believe that either I have been harmed or I can harm. Guess what? Jesus says you can't be truly helpful until you're harmless. Until you absolutely experience, I can't hurt anybody. <laughs> And nobody can hurt me. A fucking men, excuse me, but it's a man. <laughs> I guess we won't share this one except amongst us. But, but you know, that's the end, end of the need for enemies. When I know I'm harmless, and I know I can't be harmed, then I'm truly helpful just by being what we are. We're not a, a machine of, just, what does he call it? The engine of destruction. 
<laughs> that's not that's not what I'm about. That's not what you're about. And so, you know, we're, we start to actually manifest the characteristics of God's teachers, which he says develops through the holy relationship, through total forgiveness of myself wherever I appear, wherever I appear, whatever form I appear in, whatever body, whatever place I appear in, it's, it's forgiven, totally forgiven. Nothing happened. I'm not a body. They're not a body. Holiness looks upon holiness and, and declares its truth. So uh, what, what we're talking here is some, um, that the Holy Spirit, our teacher, <laughs> Uh, who is teaching us is teaching us on another on another level that you know we're not able to say wow here's this that happened and now I learned this and now I I, I mean we really don't know specifically what we're learning we're just becoming you know truly helpful. And, and the characteristics of God's teachers simply come forward uh, naturally and effortlessly. You know, it's, it's not about us um, behavior mod. It's not about us changing, changing um, our behavior, but it is about the need to see where was it? I love this. I love bringing in a class a moment ago and um, the section in psychotherapy. And, you know, the first um, section, oh, here it is, in psychotherapy uh, that I read at the end of the class at, uh, at the end of my reading. And it was... Um, Here's, the, uh, here's what psychotherapy, mind therapy, uh, is in terms of A Course in Miracles, that the patient, well, who's the patient? <laughs> Anybody got a hint who the patient is? <laughs> so, yay, I'm the patient in the sense that not, you know, not Lynn, a body, Good heavens, Jesus wouldn't waste his time talking to a shadow figure. So that's not who Jesus is addressing here. He's not addressing the self-concept that we've made up about ourselves. He's not addressing the one who believes it can harm or be harmed. The, 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 the guilty one. He's not addressing that one. He is addressing always, always the decision maker. And it's the decision maker 
that's sick. The decision maker keeps choosing to believe in the reality of illusions. The decision maker looks at the puppet figure, the dream figure, and reacts and responds and talks about it. And, you know, like it's, it's real. That's the illusion that, you know, the decision maker is choosing the ego. And of course, its home is, is the body. And all the specialness and the dream of, of suffering, pain, and death that goes along with it. So the decision maker choosing the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit does not make the ego real. Period. Period. He stars it out, <laughs> gives it no value. Who is who's changing? Who is changing here? It's the one that's looking that's changing. It's not what's being looked at. So, you know, the whole Course in Miracles is about this one thing. The patient must be helped to change his mind about the reality of illusions. The reality of the separate shadow figure. And we know we know if it's the Holy Spirit doing the forgiving or if it's the ego. Because the, the Holy Spirit looks in simply withdraw, withdraws all the juice from it. Boom. Just, just doesn't give it any value at all. So that's, you know, that's happening to us. And, and we find ourselves, I hear it all the time in class where, you know, well, this sort of the attitude is, you know, I used to feel that it was arrogant, for, for example, for me with the book, I used to think it was arrogant to claim that I had help that I had, I had, you know, inner help. Like, oh, don't tell anybody that, you know, they'll think you're really special. <laughs> ha, 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 you know, who doesn't want to ever say, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm really being helped here. And uh, it's joyous. It's joyous to be helped. That's humble. Uh, you know, the more I am delving into um, how to be truly helpful, the, the you know the title of the book is how to be how to be 
truly helpful in a hopeless world? Well, uh, you know, of course it's hopeless. You know, the ego made it <laughs> to be hopeless, to a, be a place where we can victimize and be victimized. You know, that's the, the bottom line story of, of, you know, the dream figure. It's always being hurt somehow <laughs> or deprived or, you know, cheated or, <laughs> I mean, it's always something, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so... Um, I'm here only to be truly helpful. I recognize that as a, a, a manifesto in a sense. A manifesto is a declaration of what you want. And um, you know, yesterday I said, okay, I'm, I'm writing a manifesto about um, becoming uh, harmless helpful and what that you know what what I I wish for what I what I will if you will <laughs> what I will um, and so you know the the first thing of course that came to my mind is and this has been true for months now I wake up in the morning and the first thing I am here only to be truly helpful And when I say that, I realize that it's not Lynn saying it. It's not a person saying it. It's, it's the, the one mind that is choosing a different thought system and choosing a different thought system for everyone. You know, it's wrote it out. Holy Spirit, <laughs> nothing but Spirit, completely Spirit. That's what Holy Spirit is indivisible, whole, unified mind. Not a split mind, but for that moment, the only thing that is in that mind is Spirit. <laughs> Bam, I'm here, I am here, spirit, I'm here, and I'm here only to be truly helpful. And, and um, I'm here to represent, represent the one who sent me. And I don't have to worry about what to say or what to do because he who sent me will direct me. And then that's, you know, I'm content. I'm, I'm content. I don't care where it is, what I'm doing. I'm content to be wherever he wishes. If I'm not content, I am more apt to notice it because I'm making a, a manifestation or a, a manifesto every morning that this is, you know, this is what I want. And mainly what it brings up is I'm so aware of the split mind. I'm so aware when the mind splits and I have become harmful and I expect 
any moment to be victimized. <laughs> I'm looking for it. <laughs> You know, so <laughs> I was uh, I was just thinking that the ego's version of being truly helpful, and and I say this half jokingly, but I mean it, is to help you figure out who the victimizers are. I mean, yeah. I'll help you figure out who's being truly harmful. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, we, we really need to stay out of one another's business, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> the only mind, the only mind to watch is, is your own, you know, that's it. It's, and even, even if you're watching TV and you're seeing all of that going on out there, no, it's not. It's coming from your mind and what you want to see and how you want to see it. That's just the fact. The responsibility for sight is a fact. So, you know, we can really accelerate um, uh, our education here uh, in, in uh, Truly Helpsville uh, as a, you know, uh, mighty companions, uh, a, a cadre of brothers who really want to do the very first thing <laughs> the psychotherapy says, and the only thing that you have to do is change your mind about the reality of illusions. There is no world. There's no world out there. The moment that we truly accept that, get that, and are willing to for forgive, for having made it, protected it, defended it, honored it, worshiped it, bowed down before it. I'm sorry. It was a mistake. And, you know, done with it. Done with it, aside from the fact that it was over the moment it happened. It is over. <laughs> holy instant it's over so so anyway here we are um learning together to be truly helpful and um and being um maybe um super becoming super aware because we've made a manifesto if you want to if you don't that's cool too but you know if learning together to what it really means to be truly helpful in an insane and hopeless world and learning uh, total forgiveness, absolute, true, total forgiveness, bringing nothing, nothing, nothing with us bringing everything that's nothing or, or not bringing, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's all nothing, nothing, nothing. So don't bring any of it with you <laughs> other than to let it go, right? Um, so um, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm guessing because a large part of his book 
is about the one thing and the only thing that anyone who wants to let go of their belief in the illusion of a separated self, the only thing we have to do is learn forgiveness. The three steps of true forgiveness. And so we'll spend quite a bit of time around that and our practice of it and uh, how that is being reflected back to us in our relationships. Um, and being, being willing to whatever degree you are to speak about it, to share what's happening for you. And, um, you know, I, I will be sharing what's happening for me. Um, and my great hope is that we, we learn together and that um, the book becomes something that those who have ears and are ready to change their belief in illusions because that's the requirement. And so we have to demonstrate it. That's the only requirement. You have to be willing to change your mind about the world you see. And who you are will change naturally, effortlessly. Because, you, you know, we're going to grow up spiritually. We're going to go up and realize that it is the Holy Spirit working through us. And, and it's the same Holy Spirit working through absolutely everyone we meet in every encounter. So, um, I want to read you a little poem before I go on. I love this poem. It's, it's not, of course, a miracles poem, so <laughs> get over it if that upsets you that <laughs> we speak of any other poet than, I don't know, of course, Helen. Um, this, is, this is a favorite poet of mine, David White. Many of you probably know him. Uh, Tim has read him a, a couple of times where he does this uh, repetition. And um, this little poem reminded me of, of, of us. And it's called Loaves and Fishes. The Loaves and Fishes. This is not the age of information. This is not the age of information. Forget the news and the radio and the blurred screen. This is the time of loaves and fishes. People are hungry and one good word is bread for thousands. There it is. <laughs> One good word is bread for thousands. And 
and I, I believe that um, I'm going to say good words because I want to. And I believe you are too. I believe we're going to speak the truth. And I believe that we're going to love it. We're going to find that it seems really natural. That it, it doesn't seem like the lie. And that the lie will seem like the lie. And we'll become much more aware as I have of my lying. <laughs> Let's call it, you know, spade a spade. When we're not speaking the truth, when we're protecting and defending the ego, we're defending something that's a lie. And it's, it's also a double lie, you know, the double shield, so to speak, of protecting it, keeping it, honoring it. Let's see. So any, uh, any thoughts or questions um, before we go to um, some sections in the course? <laughs> I just want to say, Lynn, um, I'm going to have to leave early today for a doctor's appointment, but I just wanted to say, you do it to me every time anymore. You just bring me to tears in a very good way. So thank you. I'm so happy you're back. I needed this so bad today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, I'm happy, you know, to, to be in this, uh, uh, in a whole new learning curve, you know, a whole new classroom. And um, uh, yeah, I'm scared. <laughs> it comes up quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, you're on fire today. <laughs> this is right. what I feel about That's it. Good. Yeah, thank you. That's thank good. You. Yeah. All right. Who else? Uh, did somebody else have a hand up or want to say? Jane does. Jane. 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 William. David White has a, a poem that's beautiful. It's called Everything is Waiting for You. I don't know if you've read that one or not, but that's that's for you, Lynn. <laughs> Thanks, Jane. I'll, I, I will look. I will look it up. You know. Yes. Uh, I, th I think he was one who who started to really find his voice and speak the truth. Yeah, Bruce. Yeah, I, it, when you're talking about everything and nothing, I, a few years ago, I I juxtaposed two two quotes together that I thought were really fun. One one is uh, Roseanne Rosanna Dana. Um, who said, it's always something. And then Gene Bogart's rebuttal was, it's always nothing. <laughs> I, I, I just thought that was a great pairing of the two thought systems, you know, it basically just kind of spells it out. It's like everything, that the, ego, everything that the ego says is a, a, a threat, a, a victim, victimhood, you know, excuse, alibi, whatever. The Holy Spirit says, nah. <laughs> seen properly it's a forgiveness classroom and and we can dissolve it together because we hold the lamp that would dispels the darkness so yeah, yeah thanks yeah 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 thank you 
Yeah, I, it's I was the, also thinking that, <clears throat> you know, like I, I can share one good word, one good gesture, one good thought that'll feed thousands. And, and I can receive that too. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about when Kathy Jones and I were in that little coffee shop in Savannah. And uh, I think that young Indian guy was sitting in the corner and he was on his computer and he got up. He got up to let us sit there. And uh, it was just so, it was so sweet. It was so aware. It was so, and then he forgot it and left his driver's license on the table. Remember that? <laughs> and I had to give him his driver's license back. So, I, I mean, the word just kept passing back and forth in all kinds of metaphorical ways. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. All right. We're going to go to chapter four. Um, dun, 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 dun. This is one of these days when I have a lot of papers out here in so as not to get us lost. Oh, here it is. Okay. All right. <laughs> Chapter four. The illusions of the ego. And it's on page 69. And I want to read the last paragraph in the section and then go through the whole thing. And then we'll also um, close with the last paragraph later on. So this would be um, on page 69, well, paragraph eight in chapter four, Illusions of the Ego. And this is um, a paragraph that connects the idea of being harmless and wholly helpful. And obviously you can't be partially helpful. You have to be wholly helpful, uh, meaning one unified, uh, uh, there can't be a little bit of hate in, trying to in, in the idea of being wholly helpful. So um, the last paragraph, God is praised. Whenever any mind learns to be wholly helpful. This is impossible without being wholly harmless because the two beliefs must coexist. The two beliefs being helpful and harmless. The truly helpful, coincidentally, are also invulnerable. 
because they are not protecting their egos. And so nothing can hurt them. So in other words, that statement of being willing to look upon unreality and withdraw belief in it is what, what forgiveness of our own egos is about. The willingness to see it and at the same time to not give value to or um, believe in it. Um, Lynn, the truth page you're on, I'm not finding where you are. Where, where are you? I'm on page um, 71. Sorry, I'm in the last paragraph of that section. Uh, so I'm on page 71, paragraph eight. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. Their helpfulness is their praise of God. It's not like we calculate it or figure it out or, you know, uh, but it's just simply natural <laughs> to be truly helpful <laughs> when you know that you're, you're invulnerable and can't be harmed or hurt. Their helpfulness is their praise of God, and he will return their praise of him because they are like him, and they can rejoice together. God goes out to them and through them, and there is great joy throughout the kingdom. Every mind that is changed, in other words, again, the one change of mind is to withdraw the belief in the ego. The mind that is changed adds to this joy with its individual willingness to share in it. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers. So, you know, he's referring to us here, still in the dream, still having bodies, but now we have a different purpose for the body. And we have a different purpose for the mind, which is the, the real world is attained simply by the forgiveness of, you know, the old, sick, tired victim and victimizer world. It's a, the replacement for that is the real world. The truly helpful are God's miracle workers whom I direct, Jesus speaking to us, until we are all united in the joy of the kingdom. I will direct you to wherever you can be truly helpful and to whoever can follow my guidance through you. So let's let's stop a minute and uh, take thoughts or comments about um, why this is true, why we need to recognize that we are harmless in order to be helpful. What was your take on this? This morning, I. Uh... <clears throat> turned on the Senate hearing for about five minutes um, on Afghanistan. Of course, emotions were high, each side's blaming the other side. And, uh, and, and when, when you first said page 69, paragraph eight, I read, um, as you come closer to a brother, you approach me. However, <laughs> however, 
as you withdraw from your brother, I become distant to you. And I watch myself during those five minutes listening to who I was pulling myself away from, condemning, saying they were harmful, they were to blame. And in that act, it wasn't just like I was being harmful to them, certainly harmful to myself, but you know, in a sense, I was trying to be harmful to Jesus. I was withdrawing from Jesus and my brother. Hmm. You know, this is so helpful, um, us getting in touch with all the different ways that we actually are harm, harmful and um, not, not truly harmless, you know, and to, to share it and, and um, you know, helps all of us see, oh, yeah, I do that. I do that until we become aware that, you know, maybe we're doing it all the time because we simply have not made that one shift that we no longer believe in the reality of the unreal self that we have made. that we no longer are interested in protecting it and keeping it and defending it. I mean, at some point that dawns, I mean, that's, that is the holy instant where, you know, I simply do not covet that. I do not want to protect that. I do not want to preserve that anymore. You know, that, you know, that, that's not who I am. <laughs> and it, it, it happens in a heartbeat. a flip of a switch. Stephen. Um, yeah, uh, thank you. This is great, perfect for me today, uh, as it is a lot of the time. Uh, we're talking about being wholly harmless. Uh, so I went to, uh, uh, I went to gentleness and the characteristics for a teacher of God. And it says, uh, how is impossible? Harm is impossible for te God's teachers. They can neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. And I connected that with uh, something that happened uh, uh, internally the other day uh, for me. Um, I, I I did a couple of you know, the uh, the uh, the characteristics of God's teachers, and I had a thought: uh, Can I do all ten of them at once? And then I had the thought, well, that's kind of overwhelming. And then I thought, well, that's really simple. And then I thought, if I'm in the right mind, I'm doing all of them at once. And that's just how it is. And uh, by the way, Stephen, try, stop trying to figure that out and just let this stuff happen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course it all happens at once. 
you know, you know, how long does it take for you to be where God would have you be? You know, and Jesus said, it's only an instant. It's always now. It's always this moment. And we're going to do that section, actually, here at our completion. We're going to do the holy instant meditation because it's just so spot on that it really is only one one shift, you know. And uh, of course, we're going to do it and go out of it and do it and go out of it. But at some point, uh, you know, sometimes to to um, uh, great distress for the individual uh, in, a, in a few cases that I've read about where that happens suddenly, automatically, with no warning, no previous training, no education in you know, learning to see oneself differently and the self falls away and it's gone and it never comes back. And, um, you know, there are a few of those cases, but that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the way Jesus is directing us. You know, he really wants us to be out there in the trenches, out in the field, working, you know, forgiving, practicing forgiveness, teaching forgiveness at every turn. My, my hope is that somewhere, you know, it gets arranged that people hear this book, they hear forgiveness, and they go, where do you get it? Go to the school for a course in miracles, do a, do a three-month intensive, understand and know forgiveness, true forgiveness. It's true forgiveness isn't difficult. It's the most effortless, easy thing. Forgiveness looks, it watches, waits, it judges not, and it does nothing. It rests in God. It's not difficult. We can teach this. You know, it's the question here. People doubt that what A Course in Miracles is going to give them, what forgiveness is going to give them, is going to be better than their judgment. They doubt that. And it's up to us to teach. No, that's, that's not true. Forgiveness is joyous. Learning from the Holy Spirit is joyous. It's freeing. It frees me. It frees all my brothers. I'm a happy camper. No harm can come. I can't hurt anything. And nothing can hurt me. I'm in a state of grace. I know what that feels like. Every, everything, just a moment's thought. I want to see it differently. And it's gone. You know? That state is it's attainable through A Course in Miracles and through the practice of forgiveness. But how long has it taken us to get forgiveness straight? As long as the Course has been around, you know, 50 years, still making the error real, still making the error real. We have to teach forgiveness. We have to know it. We have to live it, and we have to teach it. Bruce. Yeah, I, that, that word harmless, I, I keep thinking about 
how that's only possible uh, in a pure non-dual awareness. And, and if, we're, if we're in duality, then the, the whole premise is, is a harmful one and, and, and a fearful one because there's, I was thinking, I, actually, I was uh, thinking about a couple of metaphors that drop in the ocean and then a scrap out of a, a fabric out of a tapestry. And then I looked at Arisa's background there with the, 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 the quilt. And I was thinking, well, you know, this is this in, incredibly, uh, seeming, seemingly infinite tapestry that is composed of all of us. And as long as we think that there's a we and a they, you know, or some kind of polarization possible, then we can't be harmless. You know, we've, we, it's just a harmful <laughs> thought system by definition. But Holy Spirit says, well, what, what if the fabric was never torn and the drop never left the ocean and, <laughs> and uh, we don't have to defend any little speck of the whole? Because we're we're all the whole, the, the whole the WHO. You, yeah, yeah. You, you know it for everyone, Bruce. I know it for everyone. That's you know that's how it has to work, right? It can't be that I know it for just me or just my cadre of brothers. Or just, it has to be all or nothing. I mean, it, Jesus says over and over again, together or or not at all. If there's one left out can't have it it has to be total in my mind that this is all inclusive and so uh you know the experience um you know an example that was so powerful for me was upon my son's uh death and then resurrection in my mind i i knew that oh my god Everyone is risen in that. So, you know, the idea that somebody's going to die now is just not, it, it doesn't come in my mind anymore. It's done as an idea of something that's true. So, you know, we're, we're correcting our thought system as we go along in this journey and, and we're becoming, you know, really clear mirrors clear reflections of hey guess what the truth is true <laughs> the truth is true nothing else is true and nothing else is there <laughs> gina gene has something then maya where's gene where are you gene oh there you are gene not yeah. genie oh, gene <laughs> oh, oh. Right. is it genie oh is it someone else no, it's you, Jean. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just thinking in all of this um, that I have to be respectful of this linear time that Jesus has given me. I have to, to take it with a grain of salt because it is so, because I'm, I, I'm kind of buffered back and forth between that, you know, <laughs> helpful, I mean, harmless and harmful. And so when I'm in it, when I'm in that, process that time to just be respectful that Jesus is there with me because otherwise it's very disorientating for me and I I become harmful yeah. 
just be careful along the way the ego doesn't talk you into anything, you know, because it's going to try. It's going to try like hell to, to convince you that there's some excuse for not saying this is it now for me. You know, for me, and it doesn't have to be everybody else, but for me and for me in my mind, it has to be for everybody else also, you know, so, but they, nobody has to know what we're doing. <laughs> Just here, we can talk about it. <laughs> okay, uh, let's see. Where are Maya. We? Maya, where are you there? Maya, I am Maya. <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking back in regards to what Tim was talking about, listening to the news, uh, the, the court hearing uh, regarding Afghanistan. I think one of the tempting traps that particularly course students fall into is judging ourselves for judging. So this is a great opportunity to practice self-forgiveness with the Holy Spirit. You know, and the quicker we can remember that, the less we'll suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Judging ourselves for judging. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Lynn Altman. Yeah. Lynn Altman. Uh, yeah. Um, I find that what I'm what I'm wrestling with the most right now is that I still haven't gotten that every time I choose the ego, I'm going to suffer and create suffering, cause suffering everywhere I go. I mean, it, it, there's still this, you know, insane idea that I can somehow master how I see things. I can look with equanimity on opposing positions and sort of stay in a neutral spot. But meanwhile, underneath, I'm I'm desperate to keep the idea of my will separate from my brother's will. It's like, I'm desperate for that. And I, I, I was just, um, yesterday's lesson, Ken made a, a comment um, in his um, you know, book of commentary. And he said that part of what, what we're needing to do is to experience the desire to be unfairly treated, to experience the desire to be separate, not just intellectually, which I, I totally get it intellectually, but I've been so afraid to really go within myself to, to, to really feel that desire to experience it as something that I don't, you know, so it's like if I can experience it, then I can really see feel the consequences. And then I might be able to say, you know, I really don't want this, but from an intellectual level, when the passion is to defend this ego self, I, I can't do it from that level. I mean, I just, it was so shocking when he used that word to experience the desire to be separate. I mean, that, that's just such a so in some ways, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, I do want to be truly helpful. I do want to say the word that's going to, you know, feed millions. <laughs> but really what I want is I want to defend my own separate will. And I just keep coming back to that when I'm I, I finding my peace with that, 
that that's where I am and that I can forgive that, that with Jesus's help, I can forgive that. But I really have to know that that's, I don't know if I'm explaining this. I have to validate that desire because then, then I can let it go. If once I, once I've really accepted that I have that. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if, if what I, I think you're saying is that, that you, you want it, you, you, I mean, you want to want. No, I, I want my will. I, that bottom bottom line from a split mind perspective, I want my will, and that trumps. I love that word. He's such a yeah. that trumps yeah. <laughs> the desire to be helpful and to be one and to remember what I am, and mm-hmm. and I it's just really you know sure. trying to minimize that or move past that. It's like not skipping that step. It's like I've been trying to skip the step of really knowing how much I want. I mean, if I could pull off being Trump, I'd I'd pull it off. There's no question in my mind from an ego standpoint. So, uh, and, and as, as I do that, it's sort of like, well, I, I'm saying this out loud to everybody on the screen. It's like, I, I don't feel any shame about that. It's, it's in a way it's like, oh my God, this is secret and I don't have to keep it anymore. And as I don't keep it, then I don't have to hold on to it. I can see that it's nothing eventually. I mean, it feels very real still, but, but I at least have the intellectual understanding that it, it will pass because it's not real, so. Well, it's just, just bear in mind that it, it's the decision maker that's sick. The decision maker that's making Right. I mean, and that's what's so powerful about this is realizing that I'm the I that I'm talking about is the decision maker. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. On um, on Sunday, we were looking at some of the history of 1973 on with Helen and writing the pamphlets. And Ken was talking about how there were more pamphlets that were supposed to come through. And and at that point, when Helen and Bill had finished the, pretty much finished the course, Helen kind of begrudgingly did three more pamphlets, but after that, she was done. But there were supposed to be more pamphlets. And Ken was pretty emphatic that the reason, the reason that Helen did not want to be truly helpful and allow those pamphlets to come through is she was still ticked off at Bill. This doesn't have to be some huge judgmental thing about politics or climate change or anything. It's just her immediate relationship with Bill. She she didn't, I mean, she wasn't calling it harmful. She felt totally justified in being ticked off at Bill and vice versa. But I mean, it, that that stopped it. That stopped being truly helpful. The, her, her hanging on to being ticked off at Bill and feeling totally justified stopped stopped it. <laughs> I mean, stopped everything that had come up to that point. And, you know, sometimes judgments don't seem like such a big deal. And I was thinking, well, would I do that? And then I thought, well, yeah, if I was mad at Lynn, or if I was mad at myself, like Maya was saying, judging myself, yeah, I wouldn't want to, I, I mean, tr- being truly helpful just goes out the window. All I'm thinking about is justifying my own court case <laughs> and why I have every right to be mad. <laughs> truly helpful is gone at that point. 
I mean, and just to see that dramatically portrayed, you know, even in the evolution of the course, it's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, David, David Delaplane. Yeah, the thing that comes to me through this is the uh, connection between forgiveness and harmlessness. Uh, the forgiveness is wait and watch and judge is not. And harmless, that's, har that's being harmless, which is being helpful. But if we try to um, help somebody by maybe correcting them, saying, I have some advice to give to you. It's been said that any unasked for advice is criticism. And we're not being harmless. We're not forgiving. We're not waiting. We're not watching. We're not judging not. We're trying to interject what we think will be helpful to somebody else in the separated condition, which is not the way to go. Right, right. Yeah, we make, make our, a flaw in our brother real to us. <laughs> I make yeah, exactly, exactly. this flaw real to me, and now guess who's got the flaw, you know? <laughs> it's tricky business, isn't it? It sure yeah. is. Yeah. I just asked Helen if she worked it out with Bill yet, and she said, "Don't worry about me. It's you. You you got to deal with you." <laughs> Maya, yeah, I was just going to say, Lynn. I hope that uh, that you ask Holy Spirit what uh, he thinks about doing a section in your book on all the pitfalls and traps uh, where, that aren't helpful. You know, in yeah. an effort to be truly helpful. You know, kind of like Ken did in his two books. Uh, all are called, but few choose to listen. Yeah, looking yeah. at that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, being trying to be truly helpful. It's interesting. My, I read that section this morning where he says, oh. you know, if your brother asks you to do a crazy thing, do it. What's it to you? It's not real. Just by refusing to do it, you're making it real for yourself. You know, <laughs> it's a yes. It's all nowhere land. So you know. That makes his life easier. Do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> there'll be something in there about that. I know that. <laughs> All right. Um, I wanted to have time to um, do a um, well. What would I call it? A um, a breakout such section session, but we'll all be together. <laughs> so it's a. Uh, all 30 or 20 or 25 of us will be in a breakout together. Uh, but I wanted to do a section where we um, lead, lead up to that as well, um, you know, to give us a, an opportunity to be still together and um, particularly with the idea of being harmless and helpful and um, to, to uh, have a chance to see if enemies appear. Uh, you know, if our thoughts wander to um, the external uh, world and, and being a victim of it somehow or something, which is, is making an enemy, right? <laughs> and being vulnerable and, 
being at, at the um, behest or uh, harm of, of something external to ourselves. Um, so um, we're going to look at two sections. One is going to be in chapter 15, uh, The Holy Instant, and uh, The End of Doubt, which will be section two, and uh, it will be on uh, 304 and 305. So put a marker in that or leave it open. Uh, you can just leave it open. And then I'm going to read a section uh, from the Song of Prayer as an introduction to our uh, being quiet together for maybe five or 10 minutes. So if you have your song of prayer or if you want to know where it is, it is on page eight. And it's a section called the latter ends. And of course we will be covering this in, in the class. Um, uh, that we're doing in the immersion, which is uh, we'll be co covering um, psychotherapy and song of prayer. And um, I think the gifts, some of the gifts have gone. But this is from section five on page eight in the um, ladder of prayer, the ladder ends. And this is how the ladder ends because Another word that needs to get put in here, and I don't think it's there, maybe it is, but is the word humility. Uh, it's part of being harmless and helpful uh, and letting go of our uh, protection and defense of egos. So prayer is the way to true humility. And here again, it rises slowly up and grows in strength and love and holiness. Let it but leave the ground where it begins to rise to God. And true humility will come at last to grace the mind that thought it was alone and stood against the world. Humility brings peace because it does not claim that you must rule the universe, nor judge all things as you would have them be. All little gods it gladly lays aside, not in resentment, but in honesty and recognition that they do not serve, that they do not serve. That's, that's really a nice, gentle way to 
you know, look at, say, as Lynn was sharing, you know, her will to have it, you know, her way. And, and it's saying, you know, you could, could look at that, not in resentment, but with honesty at the fact that it simply doesn't serve. That's kind of a nice, gentle way. You know, it doesn't serve me anymore to be at war with everything. It doesn't serve me to um, pretend that I'm alone in all the universe. <laughs> and it's my will against God. You know, it does, just playing out flat out doesn't make sense. It's silly and it doesn't serve. Illusions and humility have goals that are so far apart, they cannot coexist, nor share a dwelling place where they can meet. Can't have it both ways. You can't be humble and at the same time, hold on to the illusion of this um, phantom figure that is completely made up. <laughs> it just, yeah. There's no place where they meet. Where one has come, the other disappears. So that's also a, another, um, I think, a way to look at it. It's all or nothing. It's one or the other. You know, I, I can't keep both, but it seems like we can keep both. We go back and forth fast enough. <laughs> it seems like we could keep both, but we can't. The truly humble have no goal but God because they need no idols. No idols to attack, no idols to make into enemies. And defense no longer serves a purpose. Enemies are useless now. If we don't want to play the attack and defense game anymore, if, if we find that it's useless and we're ready to give it up, then we don't need enemies. Because humility does not oppose. Humility does not oppose. If my brother asks me to do a stupid thing, am I going to say no? Who, who is it that would say no? Got to be somebody. <laughs> it's got to be somebody. <laughs> Uh, it does not hide in shame because it is content with what it is. Knowing creation is the will of God. I did not make myself. Whatever I think I am, if it's not the creation of God, it's nothing. Must be nothing. Must be it doesn't even exist. It's selflessness is self. 
And this it sees in every meeting where it gladly joins with every son of God whose purity it recognizes that it shares with him. That's, you know, that's, that, that's the state in which there are absolutely no enemies, no attack, no defense. And now he says, prayer is lifted from the world of things, of bodies, and of gods of every kind, and you can rest in holiness at last. So that's the, that's the place where, remember the, the golden rule, in order for our behavior to be appropriate to one another, he says, well, you know, all you need to know and recognize is that holiness in you recognizes the holiness in your brother. That's, you know, that's the sinlessness we're, we're looking, looking at here, looking for here. It's, it's um, yeah, holiness looks at holiness and is glad that um, you know, the, the, the joy, the state, of, the state of joy becomes apparent um, as we look with holiness upon, upon one another. So as, as our closing, I wanted to do um, a breakout, but we're not breaking out. Everybody got that, right? <laughs> we're breaking out <laughs> internally. We're breaking out. We're breaking break out. In, a break in. <laughs> it's a break in. Yeah. Yeah. We're bre breaking into uh, God. We're going to rest in God together. And, you know, if, if the need to have some, some external manifestations appear in our beingness, just notice it. Notice if there's any tendency to want to separate or, you know, feel, um, uh, yeah, feel superior or inferior <laughs> to, to attack, to judge, and, you know, just be, just be playful with it. You know, we're, we're in, in some new territory here. Um, and uh, I think these words, um, will be a good guide. They are from the end of doubt, as I said. And um, that's what we want. We want the end of doubt, right? Certainty about who our brother is and certainty about who we are. And we're both holy, of course. That would be if we all believed that, if we all recognize one another there that way, you know, we would all be truly helpful, that's for sure. <laughs> and probably all the wars would be over in a heartbeat, but not so fast. <laughs> so get comfortable. And um, uh, I would suggest just closing your eyes and, and, and listening to these words and applying them um, internally to what Jesus says is the most beautiful of all God's creations, 
is your beautiful mind uh, within the mind that created you, <laughs> the beautiful mind. So um, to spend a moment uh, with an invitation in your heart and an invitation in your mind. Okay. An instant offered to the Holy Spirit is offered to God on your behalf. And in that instant, you will awaken gently in him. In the blessed instant, you will let go all your past learning. And the Holy Spirit will quickly offer you the whole lesson of peace. What can take time when all the obstacles to learning have been removed? Truth is so far beyond time that all of it happens at once. For as it was created one, so its oneness depends not on time at all. Do not be concerned with time and fear not the instant of holiness that will remove all fear. For this instant of peace is eternal because it is without fear. It will come being the lesson that God gives you through the teacher that he has appointed to translate time into eternity. Blessed is God's teacher, whose joy it is to teach God's holy son his holiness. His joy is not contained in time. His teaching is for you because his joy is yours. Through him, you stand before God's altar where he gently translates hell into heaven. For it is only in heaven that God would have you be. And how long can it take to be where God would have you be. For you are where you have forever been and will forever be. 
All that you have, you have forever. This blessed instant reaches out to encompass all time as God extends himself to encompass you. You who have spent days, hours, and even years in chaining your brothers to your ego in an attempt to support it and uphold its weakness, do not perceive the source of strength. In this holy instant, you will unchain all your brothers and refuse to support either their weakness or your own. Come back very gently. Bask for a moment in that true humility. It can't be harmed, it can't be hurt. and harm or hurt. Mm. Mm. Amen, so beautiful. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. We can get used to this, <laughs> see it everywhere. So holy, so beautiful. Thank you so much, thank you, thank you. Thank you for being truly helpful. We're doing this. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lynn. Yeah. Thank Hello, you. Lynn. Thanks, Thanks, everybody. Thank you.
beautiful yeah. class. Mm. 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 Thank you so much.